We have truly feasted on God's Word this morning through music, and uh, I, for one, am very blessed, and I know you feel the same way. I'd like for us to take a breath, to have a moment of centering and pause and pray, and I invite you to bow your heads and just be in God's presence for a few moments, some silence to allow some of the blessings to soak in or some of the prayers to bubble up, and then I'll lead us in a family prayer. Oh, great God, how very rich we are to be in a personal relationship with you and to experience all the blessings of the gospel that you pour upon us, the gifts of daily life. We come confessing our need, our sins, the secret and dark places of our hearts, our brokenness, our sins. We pray that you might cleanse us and heal us and help us to walk in the Jesus way. We pray for those in our church family grieving, those struggling with illness. We pray as this new school year begins that you will bless all of our students, teachers, staff, and administration. What an important calling to be with our children and to shape their lives and their minds. Bless that school experience in a very powerful way. We pray for our world that seems today to be aflame. We pray for peace in Iraq, for the Yazidi people and the Christians, those who are struggling and homeless and being persecuted and displaced. We pray for our sisters and brothers in Ukraine, that you would stabilize the situation there and and bless the churches, especially our partner church, as they try to give witness in a very difficult time. We pray for peace in the Middle East between Israel and Palestinians, and we pray for the world, that you might truly work in the hearts of leaders, that wars should cease. We ask, God, that you give us hearts and eyes to see the needs around us in this community. Give us ears to hear the gospel word that you have for us this morning. Feed our souls and bless us, we pray, through Christ's name, amen. I want to invite your attention to Romans, the 10th chapter. I'm going to be reading from Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 15. Uh, For some of us, a very familiar passage of Scripture, and uh, Kristen referenced it in the children's time. Romans 10, 5 through 15, and I'm going to read this aloud, and I invite us to stand together as I read God's Word and as God's Word comes among us uh, in this reading. Moses writes concerning the righteousness that comes from the law, that the person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart, that is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, 
The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim Him? And how are they to proclaim Him unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. God's Word, His Gospel. May He bless it. You may be seated. On my 16th birthday, just six weeks after I had surrendered my life to the gospel ministry and heard God's call and and answered that call, on my 16th birthday, my parents and my siblings gave me the gift of a Thompson chain reference Bible. There you can see a picture of it. Uh, I pretty much wore it out the first few years I had it. If you don't know about a Thompson chain reference Bible, it is a compendium. It is a library within one binding of Bible references and Bible connections and chain references. And uh, what I want to share with you, particularly this morning, is not just the gift of that Bible, but on the flyleaf of that Bible, on that 16th birthday, as I was entering the ministry, my mother wrote an inscription. I still have the Bible. It's very dear to me. This inscription is very dear to me. And mother wrote for the entire family, and I don't expect you to see all of those words, but I'll read a portion of it. We hope this Bible will be helpful to you and your ministry. May it serve as a reminder of our abiding love and our prayerful expectations for your future as you serve the Lord. And then all of the family members signed it. And then at the bottom, my mom put Romans 10.15. And Romans 10.15 is the verse that I just read you, the closing verse of our text this morning. And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now that verse of scripture has always been very, very special to me. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now that's actually a quote from Isaiah 52, 7. And you can't really understand that verse unless you understand some things about ancient culture and about how news spread in in ancient Bible days. This may shock you, there was no telephone, no telegraph, there was no television, there was no internet. Can you imagine that? Uh, There were no newspapers, there was no sophisticated mail system, and the way that news was spread about the toppling of a king or a a new political party in, in rule or... Uh, some epic event of an earthquake, the way news spread was by runners. Runners would go from village to village making the announcement of either bad news or good news. And that's how people learned about how a battle went or whether the king had been overthrown by a rebellion. And the runners would go from place to place. And just imagine these runners now in baggy shorts and Nike running shoes skinny, bony legs, just hundreds of rod maples running all over, (laughs) up and down the hills of Palestine. Just imagine what a sight that is to behold, all these runners. And you can imagine the people at the edge of the village waiting the news about how the battle went, because their life depended on uh, who was in power. And they see a runner coming from the distance over the hill, and they can't make out 
whether he's smiling or frowning because he's panting and his, red, his face is red and, and he gets a little closer and they, they think, is it going to be good news or is it going to be bad news? Is the kingdom overthrown? Are we safe? And finally, the runner gets close enough, he throws up his arms and he shouts, the king has won, the battle is preserved, the, the victory is in place. And, and everybody cheers because all, there's all this good news. And somebody shouts, oh, I could just kiss your feet. Have you ever heard that expression? I could just kiss your feet. And that, that's an expression that means, I could kiss the feet who brought me good news. Now, the opposite we also know, don't kill the messenger. When the messenger brings bad news, don't kill the messenger. That's a saying in our culture as well. But the saying, I could kiss your feet, is another way of saying, how blessed are the feet, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce good news, who those who come running and announce good news. And there is no better news than the Jesus news. There's just no better news. That God has come into our world, that God has come into our hearts, that God has acted in history, that God through the resurrection has reversed the flow of history's stream, that God through Jesus Christ has forgiven us, wiped our slates clean, that God through Christ has opened the way for a permanent, eternal relationship with himself, this God is alive and his transforming power and love working in our lives, there is no better news than the Jesus news. You know, just in the last couple of weeks, uh, as, as timing would have it, I've had a couple of appointments in my office where I've had the privilege of just opening the Bible and talking to people just verse by verse and using some of the verses that I read to you this morning and sharing the good news of how Jesus Christ can save, and it's just such a wonderful blessing. I never get tired of telling that story. I never get tired of that good news. I love to tell the story. Tis pleasant to repeat. What seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. Remember that song? I love to tell the story for those who know it best, seem hungering and thirsting, to hear it like the rest. There's something about telling the good news that's a blessing to us as well as a blessing to those who hear. How beautiful are the feet of those who come and announce good news. The Apostle Paul never got tired of announcing the good news. I mean, he did it day and night. Even when he was beaten and he was left for dead, he'd just get up and he'd keep on going and he'd keep on announcing that good news and and sharing the story of Jesus everywhere and every time he had the chance. And Paul was particularly burdened for two groups of people. He was burdened for religious people who were trying to work their way into God's favor, who thought they could do enough rules, they could keep enough rules and do enough good things that they could earn their way into God's forgiveness. He was worried about those people, the religious folk, but he was also worried about the opposite. He was worried about the pagan who didn't give the great God a second thought. They had lots of little gods, small g-o-d-s. They had their toys and trinkets, their pleasures, their egos, their pride, their plans, being in control of their own lives, but they didn't give God a thought. And Paul was equally burdened for both those groups of people. And he just, he was trying to communicate to them, 
Jesus Christ has done for you what you cannot do for yourself. And over and over again, he wanted to communicate that message. And particularly, uh, in our 10th chapter of Romans, he's speaking to those religious people. People who went to church all the time, who thought they could ring up enough points, enough frequent flyer miles spiritually to get into God's favor. And he said, you know, you're so confused. He said, do you think you have to climb up into heaven to bring Christ down? Do you think you have to crawl into hell to drag Christ up? No, Jesus has already come down. Jesus has already been to hell and tasted death for all of us. God's already done the work. You don't have to start over again. You don't have to invent the wheel. The good news is God has done all that. That's the good news, Paul said. You have to accept it. You know, these beautiful verses, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart we believe to righteousness and with the mouth confessions made to salvation. Paul says you have to accept it. You know, there's only one of two things you can do with a gift. You either accept that gift or you reject it. You don't earn it. You don't earn a gift. Paul says we are to believe with our heart in the Lord Jesus. Now, that's not believing, that's not thinking believing. We do a lot of thinking believing in our, in our minds. Thinking believing is like believing the earth is round and not flat, or that George Washington was the first president. That's thinking believing. I believe those things to be true. The believing that Paul is talking about here is trusting believing. It is taking the only soul that we have, the person we are, the full weight of our being, and placing it on Jesus Christ and believing that he is the one who will rescue us, not trusting in anyone else or anything else. That's what it means to believe. We accept him, we believe, and then confess him. You know, because we always talk about what's inside. Have you noticed that? Whatever's in here always comes out. Give me a half hour with a perfect stranger on an airplane flight. And if that perfect stranger is willing to talk, I will be able to tell you what's important to that person. Because what's in here always comes out. And Paul says, that's the way the commitment to Jesus Christ is. And by the way, when he says believe with the heart, uh, the heart is a word that is often uh, associated in our culture with emotion. You know, Valentine's Day cards, those mushy-gushy cards that... uh, And I hear a lot of people say, well, I don't feel saved, or I feel really close to God. I've been at this a long time. I don't put a lot of stock in feelings, because feelings come and go. We're not saved by feelings. We're saved by what Jesus did for us. The heart in the Bible is not an emotion. The heart is the seat of the personality. The heart is the control panel of the life where we make up our minds. It's our decision factory, where we make decisions. And Paul says, when we, when we take the control panel of our lives and we scoot over and let Jesus have that control panel, that's, that's what it means to believe with the heart, with the personality, with the decision-making factory of our lives. And that's closely related to that word, Lord. Paul didn't just say believe on Jesus. He said believe on the Lord Jesus. In verse 13, he says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. 
Do you know what the earliest confession, the earliest creed in the New Testament church was? The earliest creed in the New Testament church in the first century. Here it is. See if you can memorize it. Jesus is Lord. That was the earliest creed. And Baptists are by history a non-creedal people. We do not believe in reciting creeds because often that becomes a substitute for trusting in Jesus. People just rattle off words. But here's our creed. Jesus is Lord. It's the earliest creed. It's the easiest creed. But it's the most difficult creed. Because to say that Jesus is Lord means that other things are not. And other people are not. In the first century... The Romans said, Caesar is Lord. Paul said, no, Jesus is Lord. Political leaders are not Lord. Political parties are not Lord. Ideologies are not Lord. Famous and favorite religious leaders are not Lord. There's only one Lord, and it's Jesus who's Lord. And to say that Jesus is Lord means that all that Jesus did, we trust in. His life on earth, His suffering, His death on the cross, His resurrection for us, His second coming, His rule at the right hand of God, the Lordship of Christ. We trust not just one part of Jesus, but we trust the Lord Jesus. We trust all of Him. And to say that Jesus is Lord is to repent. It is to turn from all those other gods, all those other bosses that have been running our lives, and to trust in Jesus alone as boss of our life. That's repentance. Now, if you've been thinking about this and following this, what Paul says in Romans 10 is really pretty simple. He says that this good news, this Jesus news is near. It's near news. It's Good Friday news. It's Easter news. And it's shared news. It's a near word. Remember Paul said you don't have to climb up into heaven. You don't have to crawl down into hell. It's not far away. It's not obscure. It's not difficult. It's close to us. It's a near word. It's a Good Friday word. Jesus died for our sins. It's an Easter word. Jesus was raised again so that the power of God can work in our lives now and forever. And it's a shared word. And that brings us back to that 15th verse that was in the flyleaf of my 16th birthday gospel, uh, uh, copy of Scripture. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I want to do something for just a moment this morning. I want you to think about the person or persons who first told you about Jesus. I want you to think about the person or persons responsible for you being here this morning and responding to the Jesus news. Maybe a parent, maybe a spouse, maybe a Sunday school teacher, Maybe a preacher, an evangelist, a friend at school, a neighbor. Who is the person, who are the people who first told you the good news about Jesus? I want you to think how beautiful their feet are. These runners who ran and sacrificed something to announce to you the good news of Jesus. Do you have that person in mind? You don't have to close your eyes, but I want you to silently right now thank God for that person or those people.
Did you do it? You know, John Upton uh, works with Baptist World Alliance, and he tells this great story about uh, going with some other Baptist Christians in the northeastern region of Ghana. Now, the northeastern region of Ghana on the continent of Africa is the poorest region of Ghana. And it's a region that is infested with mosquitoes, and there's, there's a high uh, rate of malaria. And so Upton and the other, others from Baptist World Alliance were taking mosquito nets, and they were giving away mosquito nets to every, every person they could, every village they could. But there was a problem. In this region of northeastern Ghana, 87% of the population is Muslim. And all the tribal chiefs, all the chiefs of villages were Muslims. So they had to ask permission from the Muslim village chiefs to come into the village. They had to tell what they were doing, and they had to have permission from the chief before they could enter and do those good works. They entered one village, and the chief said, I give you permission. He said, what's more, I would like for you while you're here to start a church. And they said, excuse me, he's Muslim. And he said, I want you to start a church. And they said, well, we're happy to do that, but would you mind telling us why? And he said, well, I've discovered that Christians are people full of hope. And he said, if there's one thing our village needs, it's hope. And I've discovered that Christians are good people, and if there's one thing our village needs, it's good people. He said, I want you to start a Christian church. So under a tree they started telling Jesus stories. And through the translator, these Jesus stories just started attracting a crowd. And pretty soon there were 150 people gathered around this tree as they were telling Jesus stories. And they had a response time and scores and scores of people responded. A church was established. Five leaders were trained. The Bible was translated into their dialect. And a church is thriving there today. But the thing I want you to know that Upton told is this. He said that first day when they were standing under the tree, as they were dispersing, a young man grabbed his arm and said, how long have you known about this Jesus story? How long has the Jesus of this story been around? And Upton said, 2,000 years. And the young man replied, what took you so long? What took you so long? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Let's pray.